0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to book club. First rule of book club is, you must always talk about book club. Second rule of book club is, tell everyone about book club.
1: Ooh! Welcome to book club. It feels like ages since we've done this price because Lauren had a holiday and we recorded a load of episodes all at once we do yes so it's nice to be back i've got an excuse for not wearing my book club t-shirt today okay mini me has stolen it along with my book club hoodie why apparently it looks at uh, some vernacular like peng or something but apparently it looks cool
0: what having a picture of your dad on your t-shirt <laughs>
1: Apparently, well, it just sort of looks. It looks like. Apparently, she said it looks like something you would buy at Urban Outfitters, except nobody else has got one. Good. So I will wear my book club t shirt again for those of you who are watching in uh, video. But i oh, yeah, with the this show. Waffling.
0: What are we on this week, Jonathan?
1: So we're on a new book. It's called The Salesperson's Secret Code. It is by Ian Mills, Mark Ridley, Ben Laker, Tim Chapman. And it is all about the belief systems that distinguish winners, which, let's get it right, that's an exciting front cover.
0: Yes, and it's a very nice book to hold, well published.
1: It's been beautifully done.
0: Yeah, and it just?
1: All right. How have you been getting on with it, Mike?
0: Uh, I don't like it. (laughs) Why? We can just go. Shall we dive in? Do you want to go through it? That's a bit unfair. There's certain bits of it. The odd bit I think yeah right the guys absolutely right on uh, I've but got some bits I just think oh get a grip
1: I've got very mixed emotions interestingly a forward by I didn't notice that Sue Knight uh, Sue Knight wrote a book called NLP at work um, I know, you and love I, her, and I'm very fond of Sue Sue's done some coaching with me um which is why I'm still a loser um, and it says, this book is the result of some remarkable research. What the authors have done is to discover the difference that makes the difference between the top salespeople and the rest. Not just a few differences, but many in some remarkable subtleties. The less busy and the ones who bring fun and legacy into their way of being are the ones who are either the icons or approaching that status. If you want a working text from which to train anyone in the art of influence, this will give you the most comprehensive foundation. I wouldn't go that far, Super. Um, But I do rate Sue Knight and I do rate Sue Knight's book um, and she's a a, a, a top girl is Sue. So there's some really good, you know, some of the people here, some big names. um, To be fair, Anthony Yannarino has given it big raps. So let's begin. Uh, It starts at the foreword, which, you know, I'm a big fan of. I I,
0: I, I read the foreword, yeah. I I, I, I read a book right from the very first page. every day. I said to somebody ages ago, probably one of my daughters had a thought, that selling is a good life skill because it helps you get your own way.
1: Yes, and I think it's an extremely important life skill. Absolutely. And we're all in sales, aren't we? And that's,
0: and that's whoever And they, they mentioned that. their point.
1: It, the opening line of the forward is, is in this climate, companies are increasingly looking to their salespeople to make the difference.
0: Don't agree. Which forward are you looking at?
1: Forward one.
0: Oh, yes, I can see that. Here, yep. line, yes. I don't agree. Some companies are. That's just quite a popular I, 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 thing to say, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think this is, yeah, I didn't agree with that. The inner life of the salesperson is given equal attention to their outer life, revealing the beliefs and systems of thinking that together bring about the kind of person who outsells the competition time and time again. Now, you know, I list, I, I read a lot of these books as audiobooks whilst walking the dog. I've got to say that line, really, it got me on the, uh, got me on the edge of my seat, metaphorically. I was, Which one? Say it again. The, the line uh, just explaining on the, the the nature of the book, the inner life of the salesperson is given equal attention to to their outer life. I was like, right, okay, we're going to get into the really nitty gritty of what drives a salesperson. We well, do actually, and we do actually. The book does go down that route.
0: And Michael t- and I will explain what we do and don't to tell like. you, how to make that and how to copy that.
1: And there's a great point here in forward number two. It's a career with a low barrier to entry. That remains largely unregulated in an age brimming with compliance standards for almost everything else that is so true
0: i do agree with anyone
1: that. can get into sales
0: yeah to work in finance engineering legal manufacturer distributors workers must study prescribed text pass exams to be accredited and then maintain ongoing certification
1: yeah and the book is based on and this is the bit that i think i i predict michael may have a problem with <laughs> it's based on real research with and I've underlined it and I don't doubt for a minute Michael has, independently of myself, iconic salespeople oh, who have outsold, outperformed and outpaced their rivals for the majority of their careers still, through boom we... and bust cycles in every season. Could we pick on them? Hold on. Their insights are gold, according to the book.
0: Now, um, do we wait th- to pick on them till we get to them in the book? Yeah. OK, so
1: what you're going to find listeners is uh, uh, and I am I am going to be really straight about this one this actually I, I have very mixed emotions with the where I'm irritated at me it. because
0: the, the icons they have chosen are ridiculous
1: yeah well we'll come to that as we get to them but there's so much good content in here but it, it, it it's for me there's a lot of fundamental flaws and I'm going to explain um So chapter one is called discovering the salesperson's secret code Um, and they talked about uh, this chap, Ben Laker, who's an academic from the Centre for High Performance. He built a broad academic study of yielding cross-industry empirical evidence. He invited 5,000 organisations across primary, secondary and tertiary sectors, many of whom have a global footprint to become research partners. So there is rigour There is rigor in their
0: data. Oh, they make good reference to the data. Uh, and I, and I, I do like a bit of data and I, as well. Yeah,
1: and, and I, I wouldn't want to denigrate the rigour in the study. It's clearly it's it, it, it well, clearly backed up by, by by rigor and therefore it's right um, so if you are listening the, the, the information in what constitutes the salesperson's secret code is bang right in this book yes um, it's the premise upon which they gain that information that I don't believe has complete rigor and we'll come to that soon um, and the groups were surveyed on what really motivates them to choose, stay in a sales career, why they work, long hours, they face the relentless pressure of appraisal against sales metrics, deal rejection. It's an old-fashioned stereotype that says salespeople are all motivated by money. Turns out to be true to it, some extent, but it's not their biggest motivator. It, 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 it does get interesting. And what they talk about are these five, what they call destination beliefs. Yes. What's interesting is there's a lot of NLP in here. It's interesting that Sue Knight actually put in forward they may maybe they work with sue um they talk about using clean questioning if anybody's interested there's a great book on clean language um stunning stunning book if you are in sales for questioning customers it will blow your mind and change the way you sell but that's an aside Um, and what they got out of clean questioning all these sales people a thousand sales people were interviewed for 90 minutes about their turn-ons turn-offs ambitions and attitudes to selling um, using clean language um, and they created and came to the, the research came to what they called five destination beliefs um, that effectively uh, embody a single overarching truth and they are fulfilment, control, resilience, influence, communication, are they not?
0: They are and they say that some people are more uh, are, are more and then, weighted towards one than another.
1: Yeah and then where the book is going to take us is that beneath those destination beliefs there are a number of sub-beliefs in each one um and they've called the sub-beliefs what they call journey motivators it
0: well doesn't
1: it so oh, it, 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 it's an interesting book it's it is an interesting book so your destination belief uh, there's five key destination beliefs which we're going to come to in the book and i do recommend you read along with us on this one um, and then there are sub-beliefs which they call um what they called
0: I can't remember now without getting to the correct page of that in the book. Journey motivators. That's it, yeah.
1: Yeah. So the best the, the key beliefs are fulfillment, control, resilience, influence, and communication. And I'm not gonna go into what they're all about now because the book is
0: Well, each chapter's on it, so Yeah,
1: so let's not let's skip through that and that in many respects takes us to the end of chapter one, does it not, Michael?
0: Definitely does not.
1: No, it takes us to the introduction in chapter one.
0: It takes us to the iconics.
1: Yes, I think we should give a slight introduction to fulfillment, or should we come to that as we get to it in the book? Because I we think get that's the next the book, chapter. So there's no point
0: really. Yeah. So, as part of chapter one, they have seven people who are iconic.
1: Yeah. This is the bit Michael and I, and, and Mike and I never talk about, but the book from book club until we begin even though we sit in the same room together and we work together and we're we, on the phone we actually together, don't talk about and it and we deliberately we can go uh, a fortnight without talking about a book but i know mike has the same bugbear about this well the, the this first man it? is
0: a man called chuck poll Yeah, i think he had quite a difficult career because from, <laughs> 90, from 1990 to 2010 he worked for bt he worked there for 20 years selling internet connectivity at the turn of the century for monopoly did a he sell, did he
1: sell coca cola to thirsty people
0: yes i think it was quite difficult but after that he then went to vodafone right I and mean, then, and then for- uh,
1: so, I, I don't want to create a character assassination of these people who are clearly top
0: people in their industry. Well, they're careers. top people in their industry, but the point their, is.
1: But what we've got is a lady from GlaxoSmithKline.
0: Just we've got another lady from career. Steinway Pianos. I quite like the Steinway Piano one, actually. Yeah. I thought she was the most impressive yeah, one she of those. Works
1: for a mar- but every single one of them works for a global market leader.
0: A global market leader when, when their particular industry is growing?
1: Yeah, Microsoft.
0: Deloitte. Oh, no, it's funny the Microsoft guy. Because later on, I don't know if you can remember reading it in chapter one or two, he goes, I've always worked for startups.
1: Really? <laughs> really? I'm actually going to look him up on LinkedIn right now. Oh,
0: he's going to be a top guy, isn't he? Oh,
1: I'm going to look but him up on is, and right the on LinkedIn
0: problem is, And I'll tell you why I'm ranting about these particular people is you can't doubt the fact they're really good guys.
1: These are people who have reached... They've loads of money, yeah. been really yeah.
0: successful, blah 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 but are they successful because of them or are they successful because of their environment?
1: Well, I'm, I'm just looking up the Microsoft guy now.
0: None of, them are, none of them are the colonel, are they? What do you mean? that created Kentucky Fried Chicken.
1: None of these guys are street fighters, Mike.
0: No, well, that's not that, just that. None of them are the colonel. None of them are Sir Alan Sugar or Sir Richard Branson. No. Who've come from absolutely zero.
1: So your man, your Microsoft guy, Hexaware, so there's a couple of companies on there I've never heard of, but has been at Microsoft now for 10 years and 11 months. Yeah, it's Microsoft. Come on. So I hope somebody's from Microsoft phones in. I don't How think you can beat an to iconic work at Microsoft. Uh, people are gonna ring and they're gonna say, Oh, they're it's not, really difficult. Oh yeah, they're this geezer doing. works at Adidas. I know. And his big crowning glory was doing a deal for the twenty twelve Olympics. He didn't do the
0: deal. Did he, he led not? the partnership. He didn't do the deal. Uh,
1: and, and I'm sure he's a top, 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 top guy. But for me, I just felt this is a very unrepresentative study of what they're I mean, referring to as iconic. Justin
0: just Stone, he's kind of quite impressive. Justin Stone grew up in West Wales with little money and an incomplete education and was, pen, and was a penniless drifter until he met his future wife and found a new purpose. I had quite a lot of respect for that, actually. Yeah. I thought fair play. Yeah, and they're
1: clearly top people, but they I, I feel they've been... Ve- oh, here's one that works for Cisco.
0: Oh, no, you forgot, you forgot the one that worked for Oracle.
1: Yeah, and, you, and this one that works for Oracle. So my, my objection here.
0: The objection is, and my objection is, is: are they actually good people, or did they work for the right company?
1: These are obviously talented people, but Clearly. they're talented. They're talented people in corporate
0: Brilliant environments.
1: Corporate environments that are succeeding anyway.
0: Correct. But, and and, and then they then, have risen to the top in those organizations. And then the book references them a lot.
1: Yeah. And, and I just didn't that's like where it loses me. For me, the Iconics are Bill Smith, who worked at a shit little ERP reseller for 10 years or moved uh, to a... Th- oh, sorry, Lauren, have you still got uh, audio from me? Because I'm not hearing myself in the headphones there. So Bill Smith, who worked for some dodgy little ERP reseller, and who over that period of time has actually earned £150,000 a year working in a brutally competitive environment, selling something in a brutally competitive way where the brand name makes absolutely no difference
0: as to... We're having some technical issues here, listeners. Jonathan, I can hear it. you so you can keep waffling on.
1: Oh, well, I'll just take my headphones off then.
0: And Can you hear me, Lauren? Right, we're good. Yeah,
1: we're good. Let's keep going. So, yeah. Uh,
0: that's so, you, so, I- so your well, point that's is... An, so an, an it...
1: iconic salesman to me is well, the guy that joins a startup and goes out and takes that startup somewhere.
0: Yes, I completely agree. They're or, or, iconic. Or, or, you know, Sir Alan Sugar or Richard yeah, Branson the or... That make a difference. The, the the lady on who did... Anne Summers who was on Dragon's Den. Yeah. Those kind of people. iconic. Yeah, they've made the difference.
1: But some guy that's worked for Microsoft for 10 years leading to the point at which microsoft is the world's biggest company with the highest market cap yeah whilst microsoft have stormed it with azure office 365 uh, analytics god knows whatever else is it really you are you really that talented or actually, do you work in an environment where, as we have used the phrase a lot, the rising tide floats all
0: boats? Exactly.
1: So that's been a real issue for me with the book.
0: I really switched off on that. I just thought, yeah, what are I doing here?
1: And I, I was out walking with a dog. I was glad
0: I, to get to chapter two, actually. I,
1: I actually got back from the walk with a dog. I never get back from walking with a dog stressed out. I got back sort of a bit like, Jesus. Anyway, chapter two
0: is about fulfilment.
1: So... Then we get into chapter two and it does start getting interesting.
0: Very interesting, because I thought, we're chapter now, two. Because we're
1: now into one of the key elements. We're, we're now, we're, we've dived into we're the... into one of on. the journey destinations. Yeah, we're into one of the uh, destination beliefs. And destination the first destination belief. belief is what they call fulfilment. And fulfilment is a truly fascinating topic, actually. And,
0: and then they're talking about the journey behaviour, i.e. how do you get to fulfilment? And, and it's one of two things. I'm either... I must win because i fear failure or i want i want to be better than i thought i could ever be yeah so either so your journey journey behavior is either fear of failing or desire to win yeah they're your two journey motivators in in
1: nlp we call it a towards or away from motivation
0: fine well we're not doing nlp we're reading this book
1: well they are well,
0: why did they put that then?
1: Because they didn't want to start talking about NLP, so they used slightly different terminology. But that's, no, no. in reality, what they're doing, is they're talking about towards and away from motivation.
0: That Ma- made a lot of sense, this chapter, actually.
1: Yes, it did. I'll tell you what was really interesting is there's clear rigour in the research.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And what they're effectively saying in the book is that the top performers have a towards motivation. Yes. They They are moving forward to something. And the people that perform badly usually are, are are focused on a fear of failure, avoiding failure, what they refer to later on in the chapter as a burning platform. So this sends a big message, Mike, and I, I wonder what your opinion is o- of it. So, you know, how many companies do we know where in reality they have a fire the bottom 10% culture?
0: Quite a few. Well, they have a, they have a sell something or I'm going to fire you mentality.
1: Where actually... That creates that fear of failure, which in turn creates the failure.
0: Yes, but I mean, the book's fairly clear. It says in all of the top performers, they all have a bit of a, a, fear, bit of. Of a fear of failure. They just have a more of a uh, bit of desire. So yes. it says we all have a, it's a spectrum essentially, isn't it? I, I, Where we've all got a little bit of a fear of failure.
1: I once read a great interview with um Dennis Betts, who was in the great Wigan rugby team of the 80s. Where they went on and won, I think nine consecutive cups and eight consecutive league titles it was ridiculous. They were so dominant. And he said it just got to a point where in the dressing room nobody wanted to be in the Wigan team that didn't win the title. Right, and that became such a motivator: a winning it, but b not being in the team that didn't was very powerful. I, I think that's a, 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 and what they're saying is. That there's an optimal point, which is 62% desire and 38% fear. Yeah, yeah, interesting. That's
0: that, what isn't the it? research says. But but, f- but fear is part of it.
1: Yeah, Fe- and fear is 38%
0: of it. It's quite a big part of it's it. It's not a
1: small part. mm But the but the balance in what they're saying are the t- top performance, the top performers is 62% belief.
0: He said something there. I mean, it's quite it's, there's quite a bit of philosophy I thought in it as well actually. Um, and he says the truth is that if you keep the past alive, you can never truly outgrow it. Yeah. And this is a flaw that potentially prevents low performers from achieving breakthroughs throughs they need. Yeah. Very interesting. There's a lot of interesting stuff like that. And he, and he says here, I want more status or money than my family had growing up. I've got to say I know quite a few people. And I'm not going to say the names of them that I just know because I've done business with them or because they were mates or you know a bit of both I guess really, who have come from fairly modest backgrounds. And actually, having more money that they had when they grew up has been a massive motivator. Yeah, for we, them. we meet a lot of those huge motivator for a lot of people. Working class that. heroes, I call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But it's interesting that actually the ones that really smash it go from they want more money than than they had when they were w- when they grew up, to then
1: having an aspiration looking beyond forward that.
0: and beyond it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a really interesting point here, Mike, on page sixty-four. Where he I love Play64. He said it was noteworthy that most low performers could not describe what future state they wanted. Mm. Now you know, sometimes when I'm interviewing people, a favorite question of mine is, What's your lo-? Uh, I'll go through environment, behavior, capability, values, but, uh, uh, and I'll get to the point in an interview where I'll ask them, What's your long term plan? And it is interesting how often people can't answer that question.
0: Very, very few people have it. I sort of genuinely tend not to bother asking it now because nobody really knows the answer.
1: But is that because actually you're interviewing a lot of people who just aren't high performers?
0: No. uh, I I think a lot of high performers are high performers because of the environment they operate in rather than because of who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people out there. You know, there's some industries, security, BI, where actually that tide is rising. Yes. You don't have to be that good, I don't think, to sell a lot of security software.
1: And that's the hard part of this book. Mm. Is that there is rigor in the data, but then all at the same time there is a total lack thereof. Yeah, correct. Because the data doesn't take into account. Oh, one of the
0: icons worked Cisco.
1: Doesn't. T- <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> Cisco. <laughs> so it is very rigorous, and I respect. I respect it as a piece. And actually, do top people have a toward motivation as a as a motivator? Yeah, they bloody well do. And in my own experience of twenty years of interviewing salespeople, definitely, I think it's right.
0: Yeah, I agree completely.
1: I, I'm not in disagreement with that, but there's an underpinning lack of rigour in what kind of people have you interviewed. I'm looking forward to the author very, getting on and saying, listen, yeah, why did and, you and choose I'm really, them? Yeah, uh, because it seems very enterprise and the level of enterprise at which they're working, for me, as we've said, that rising tide floats pretty much all the boats anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I like this bit, actually. They could describe in obsessive detail the conditions they were running from, but not what, not what ideal they were running towards.
1: We get that a lot, Mike. How often do you interview a candidate? An awful lot. Where, where you ask them what they're looking for. Tell me what you're looking for in your next job. They just tell you, they just And they go, well, Mike. They just tell I you what they want don't want. want. I don't want to be micromanaged. Yeah, yeah. I don't want a long sales cycle. And they just spend the, and they spend five minutes telling you. They spend five they minutes don't.
0: telling you what's wrong with their current job.
1: Yes. And you're like, okay, and what are you? I know for that. Your, I know what that. What are you looking you, for in your next job, mate? Yeah,
0: yeah, I know that because you told me that when I asked why you were leaving.
1: Yeah. And lo and behold, when you look back. It's they just make a rubbish side move. It's nearly always correlated with the fact those I don't want candidates are nearly always correlated with the fact that actually they've had a really rotten year or two or three mm-hmm. or four.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree with that. So that's journey. So, so we've been discussing journey motivator one. I must win because I fear failure. The next section of this chapter is journey motivator two. I want to be better than I thought I could ever be. Right. And it says here, high performers hold a different intensity of journey motivator from low performers. They have a destination in mind. They give themselves permission to rise above the herd and become better than previously thought possible by them. Now, this is the only part at which I went back to the icon thing and thought, maybe. Because I would imagine that if you looked at each one of these iconic people, they went to school with, they are friends with, all that kind of stuff—they are from a cohort that have a similar background to them. There'll be a lot of privately educated people in this mix, I would think. Do you think? Yeah, definitely, hundred percent.
1: So we look at our Microsoft guy.
0: But my point is, or, or, or if not privately educated, a good school.
1: Royal Grammar School, High Wycombe. Well, there you go. Well, I'm assuming RGS stands for Royal Grammar School.
0: That's my point. But my point is, when you look at your Microsoft guy. As w- as as he's done well out of his environment, I wonder if we look to his classmates, if any have done as well as he has, because that might be the point at which his...
1: State school, though, Pricey.
0: Yeah, it's but... It's not
1: like he's gone to Eton or something. Oh, are
0: you so ridiculous. His parents live in High Wycombe, so he can go to the Royal Grammar School of High Wycombe, and then his parents have pushed him through the grammar school system. So his parents are middle class and sent him to a middle class school. Come oh, on, all right. He hasn't gone to school in Scunthorpe, has he? Or Ponty. Or Ponty, yes. Or Doncaster. Exactly, that's my point. But my point is about, about those people is, is if you're going to use these people as icons, what it would have been more interesting to do was compare them to their peers when they were teenagers because I bet they had more ju- more um, uh, uh, journey motivator than their peers. Because this girl, Harriet Taylor, that just the page just fallen out on she obviously done well, works for Oracle, bloody bloody bar. Clearly a top girl. Clearly, but I bet she's but I bet to get where she is, she's done better than people that she went to school with in her school. You're gonna look her up now, aren't you, and see yeah, what yeah. school she went to. Middle class. All these people are middle class. Apart from the Taylor. Welsh guy. You know, the concert pianist, Johnny. Uh uh, concert pianist. She didn't grow up in a working class background and become a concert pianist. Very unlikely. Do you not think? Well, she had a Steinway piano when she was a kid. <laughs> yeah, really. really, really Really working class, that isn't it?
1: I can't find her on link- LinkedIn. I, I, I will sh- search more closely. So, but I'll tell you what I do think is right is. And I remember, I remember when we came back to when we started in Wood Revenue, and I started studying certain things. I remember thinking when we set up in Wood Revenue, having not been in recruitment for two or three years, how am I going to go back to running a desk and be motivated and interested in doing that? Mm. and i remember thinking to myself i've got to transcend the job itself in terms of the way i do it and the level at which i play the game otherwise i'm going to hate it and resent it and i think what they're saying is these people are in the not dissimilar position where they say "Yep, great it's sales but i can transcend it i can play it at a different level
0: I don't think they're saying that, actually. Are they not? No, but I think I think you've taken it into too micro a thing. I think what they are saying is, where can I get to? And they're saying they dream bigger than their, um, uh, their in colleagues. General, yeah, than just in general, rather than necessarily the
1: craft itself. But they, they, they The think dream
0: is bigger. Your dream was to do the craft better. This person's dream is to do something else bigger. I think
1: it's to just be more than they thought they could. I think ever so. Be. Yeah. I think it's so. To transcend themselves rather than necessarily. I mean, this be craft.
0: bit's right. He says, "By the time I go to sleep tonight, how will I be a better version of me yeah, than I woke up this I, morning?" You know, if you just lived by that metric, he would be phenomenally half percent, half
1: percent better every day. You'd be half phenomenally successful better at the end of every day. You'd be amazing. Yeah. So you know, and they talk about one of these I- icons. Um, it, now that i have a wife and child and more security i think about the legacy i'll leave to others what made me happy in my 30s isn't what gets me up in the morning now to gain clarity i had a great coach i wish i'd done this much earlier it's healthy to do a personal diagnostic check the brakes change the oil and reset the sat like you do with a car fair play and and, and i think at the very back end of the chapter, what they actually allude to is the whole Maslow hierarchy of needs and the concept of self actualization. They do it earlier on, I actually. Think, I think the point they're making is that the really top performers self-actualise through their work rather than just survive.
0: I thought they did that a lot earlier on as well, actually. Yeah,
1: th- that's the point they're making is it, it's work becomes a self actualizing place rather than necessarily a place I where I earn my living pay my bills.
0: I like this on page 72. Have you ever written each role you play as a heading on separate pages in a notebook?
1: Well, that's Stephen Covey, isn't it? Really uh, sev- nice, There's seven habits, that, roles and goals.
0: Yeah, yeah, really nice, that.
1: Yeah, okay. So uh, there's some good stuff here. We, we identified... P- the other thing that I thought was really interesting here, page 78, Mike, we identified passion in every salesperson who sought the goal of fulfilment through the journey motivator. You and I have had this... Ma- so have uh, so uh, private passions too, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Michael and I have held this theory um about top performers, they've always got a thing.
0: Always in something.
1: And just just expand on that, Mike, for our listeners.
0: I, th- I just think I just think top performers have an interest outside work that they are into of some kind. One of my clients, he might be listening. Or a passion. Is really into kiss the band. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Another <laughs> candidate that I placed is so into Elvis Presley that he has renamed his house Graceland. Graceland, that's what it is. Yeah, he he's renamed his house Graceland, and his middle name is Elvis. He's had it changed by Depole. But you know what? <laughs> he's into something,
1: though, isn't he? He has a passion. Yeah. And the point they're making is it's not a passion to take them away from work, it's that they have passion itself.
0: Passion itself. And also, I think it gives you some. And that bre- they
1: are passionate about doing things. I think it also gives
0: you a bit of breathing space. They don't say this here. I think at some point we all need to rest from our work. Yes. To come back to it, you need to stop doing it and come back to it.
1: Go and be passionate about something else. Something else.
0: Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Could be gardening. Could be boxing. Could be Elvis Presley. Yeah.
1: It's it, it, and and it, and it is something I, w- I totally concur with this. Michael and I, it, it, our our study isn't as rigorous scientifically, but I'll well, tell you no, it's what it's not rigorous. It, it is rigorous in terms of time served in the market. We. Both have found that top performers have always got a thing. They're always into something.
0: There's a thing. Always, 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 always Male always. or female. Yeah, absolutely.
1: There's that female candidate that I've worked with. She's a top, top girl, tough as nails. She's into climbing.
0: I've got a female candidate that ran 94 miles. Yeah. She's into ultras. She's yeah. in, she ran 94 miles in one go.
1: Yeah. Imagine uh, that. But the, but it's a thing. It's her time, isn't it, it's when she's out? thing.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, and then as we get towards the end of chapter two, we've got some other bits here. Uh, Additional fulfillment insights from top performing salesperson. A couple of interesting bits. Choose what personal brand you want people to use when they describe you to others. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Interesting. Turning adversity into positives. Some good stuff here, isn't there? You know, I'm I'm starting to get over the original naming of the icons now. I'm not as grumpy about it.
0: Because actually, yeah. we're getting into some really. Useful I mean, t- do d- d- you know it is good? It, there is good content in it. I think it's an observation, not a manual. You know, where Tony Robbins awakened the giant within
1: is a manual.
0: It tells you to do stuff.
1: Yes. This well, just but, uh, this, yeah, is this is just is an, an observation. A, it's like a philosophical learned, debate. As we've learned with many of the books that we've done on book club, it's a primer to probably involve. Ian Mills, Mark Ridley, Ben Laker and Tim Chapman in some kind of uh, consulting project. You reckon? Yeah. Um, so where we get to, f- where we fi- get to final, final stages, what's in the mind, self actualization versus survival? Um, and, and I think they, they talk a lot about being towards rather than away from. And you know the amount of times we've, as we've said, candidates talk about, I don't want this, I don't want that. Actually, the top performers, they're very clear. This is what I want out of my next role. I want it to look like this. I want it to smell like that. I want it to taste like that. I want it mm. to sound like that. I want it to feel like that. And they know. They do. And they're they towards. And if you say why, what does that do for you? Well, it moves me forward in my career. Well, wh- what is it about your career you're looking for? And they know that they're they're clear. There's a client. I don't think
0: that many people really know.
1: I think the I, I think probably the icons do, the one the 0.01%. Really?
0: So if we got this fella that had worked at BT and said, right, let's go back nah, 30 years, let's, let's see the day book that you had where, you, ro- where you wrote down your dreams. Uh, maybe not. He didn't do that.
1: So it's been a very interesting first two chapters, actually.
0: Yeah, what a, you know, what, what I think of it so far? What a, what, if I'm listening, should I buy it? Have you read on from this, Pricey? No, no I've not. I, I have not.
1: I have because I've nearly finished it, actually. I've read the first two chapters. It actually gets very interesting. My frustration is it gets interesting and we bring our icons into the conversation. If you can put the icons to one side and the context with which you and I are frustrated with them, it's actually spot on. Right. Um, So I'm actually rather looking forward to, to recording next week's episode. Good. And at that, listeners, we bid you adieu.
0: That's goodbye.